0: Well, as this program predicted, the Anglican Church in Australia has split. Hardline Christians have separated from those who want a more inclusive church. So what does it all mean for the faithful? Muriel Porter is this country's foremost religious affairs writer. Now, in a nutshell, Muriel, why has the church split, if we can call it that?
1: Well, first of all, Bill, I would say it hasn't split. This is really effectively a new denomination, They're calling themselves Anglican, which is quite wrong. They're calling themselves a diocese, which is a term used by the Anglican Church. But they're in fact a company. They've set up a company, and the idea is for it to be a sort of a home for people who are disaffected with the Anglican Church who think it's become too liberal.
0: So Christian congregations have been in decline for years, and the hardliners argue that's because the Church has become too laissez-faire, on women, divorce, sex before marriage and gays. Is there any evidence to suggest progressive churches have maintained stronger congregations? I
1: don't think any of them are really maintaining strong congregations. There'd be a few, and some of the more fundamentalist ones certainly do manage to have bigger congregations, but they become a bit, in my view, a bit sect-like, draw people in, give them the sort of certainty they want and that affects some people psychologically, I believe.
0: Lots of younger people prefer the charismatic churches, Muriel, in spite of some of these churches' own scandals about money. So, might an Anglican church without hardliners appeal more to them? Well,
1: I would hope so. My hope is that some of these hardliners will go off into this new denomination (laughs) so that the rest of us can just get on with what we want to do. But that might be a bit unkind.
0: When it boils down to it, The church is all about control of money, and don't I know that? So, who controls the money in the Anglican church?
1: Well, it depends on which part of the church, but each diocese has its own budgets, each parish has its own budget. It's effectively the money from the people putting money in the plate. That's where most of the money comes from. And some would be long term investments or property, so forth. So, yes, there is money, but most dioceses apart from Sydney Diocese, don't have much money at all.
0: So is there much in property?
1: Oh, there'd be considerable property. If you think of all those grand churches, Bluestone churches here in Melbourne, for instance, huge property, but you don't need to sell the farm really, do you?
0: So can the group who split take any of that property with them?
1: No, they can't. No, they simply can't. Ah. So if if they are going to go, if if people and some parish groups decide they'll go, they really have to walk out and set themselves up somewhere else, perhaps in a pub or a school or a golf club or whatever, and rely on the goodwill income from the people that they've drawn with them. It's a hard job to do, and that's a very hard thing to do.
0: I'm talking with Australia's foremost religious affairs writer, Muriel Porter. The Anglican Church split in America some years ago. What was
1: behind that? They split over the same issue, you know. It's this issue of same-sex relationships.
0: Can you explain to my listener, Muriel, how the Australian split aligns conservatives here with those in Africa?
1: Well, there are very conservative groups in the Anglican Church in Africa. That's a different dynamic, really. Some see it in some places as a revolt against colonialism some of the bishops and some of the African churches and countries are really reacting against the colonial weight of the church and wanting to step out into a different way.
0: So in the end, Muriel, does it really matter if the hardliners go their way and the moderates go the other?
1: What most upsets people, I think, in the In our own church, in the Anglican Church, I know parishioners in my own parish this morning. Some were a little concerned. What does this mean? They feel a little bit shaky over it. But explained and explained to them the letter from the Primate, the statement saying this is a company. It's a new denomination. It's nothing really to do with us, in a sense they felt comforted by it. So in a sense, it won't worry them too much. And if the people who are very conservative and who are uncomfortable in a more liberal version of the church, if they want to find themselves in a different denomination, then I hope they find peace and happiness there.
0: People might wonder why the Catholic Church manages to stay together while the Anglican Church can't. Can you tell my listener why,
1: Muriel? Well, I think it's because the Anglican Church is very much a lay led church you see if you think back to the 16th century reformation the major story there is it handed itself over to the king to the parliament then to the people so we are very much a church that people in parishes elect their own parish council they elect who the people who'll decide who their next vicar is they meet in a synod that elects the next archbishop so there is already a high degree of interaction in a way that isn't the case with the Catholic Church. What happens in the Catholic Church is people simply walk away into nothingness if they're not happy. And that's happened tragically to a lot of people.
0: So here's the big question, Muriel. Do the churches matter or is the individual's faith, is that what's paramount?
1: Well, that is a hard question. I would think the church does matter because I believe that we are called into a community of Christians. We're not baptized to be on our own. I couldn't possibly keep my faith going unless I had the support, the comfort, worship together with other people and the sacraments.
0: God bless you, Muriel. And thanks so much for talking to us tonight.
1: Thank you, Bill.